The Ensemble podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Net Wealth Investments Limited, ABN 85090 569 109, AFSL 230 975, and is limited to publicly available information. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Ensemble does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Advice tech. As if it wasn't enough to be across TMD's Alpha Beta, Rule of 72 and all the other nuances of financial advice. Now, advisors are expected to be across all the technology options too. And there's so many of them. But never fear, Peter D is here. Join me each week on a journey of discovery through the software and apps on offer for advisors and advice businesses. So let's dive in, fellow advice explorers. This podcast is proudly sponsored by NetWealth. Imagine a world of investment choice that goes beyond borders. Open up a world of investment opportunity with NetWealth, where you can access local and international securities, as well as bonds and foreign currency options for wholesale clients. Offer your clients flexibility, transparency, and efficiency with managed accounts, managed funds, and access to non-custodial assets. A world of investment awaits you. Discover it at netwealth.com.au forward slash woo. Hello and welcome to the Ensemble Advice Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Diamantidis and this week we're diving into another one of our Advice Tech sequel episodes. Now, what's cool about this is I think the last time that I interviewed this particular person, I was introducing it as the XY Advisor Advice Tech Podcast. So at the very least, that's changed since we last spoke. Um, We're going to be talking about updates, new features, enhancements, all the other exciting things they're doing. So here today to keep us up to date on all things Pluto Soft is the MD himself. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Vince. Vincent Holland, welcome. Well, good morning, Peter. It's great to be doing another episode. I can't believe it's been 12 months since our previous one. I'm really excited to be sharing some updates. This is crazy. So we last spoke at episode two of the show. So you were one of the original people that took a risk on this crazy person asking you questions about your tech. So I appreciate that at the very least for you being willing to have a conversation. And here we are, I think it's number 57 or thereabouts. So, you know, this is crazy stuff. So I'm very excited to dive in and hear what I imagine has been a busy year for you. But before we dive in, we're going to take another step towards getting to know you better through your sort of tech use. If someone came to you and said, I'm going to build an AI buddy for you that'll just magically get a task done, is there something particularly you'd love people, somebody to just wave, wave a magic wand for you, sort of AI style and make a lot, a lot easier? Well, Peter, we've, we've got a busy household, three kids under six, Ooh. and our dishwasher packed up recently <laughs> and we're about to move house, so I haven't been able to replace it. So I've spent the last few months washing more dishes than a commercial kitchen. So it may not be an AI invention specifically, but if there's one piece of tech I could do with right now, it's a fully functioning dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? The the gap between problem with a thing like that and resolving it is huge. It's a pain in the neck, isn't it? So even the automatically that doesn't work and it makes an appointment for somebody to either come and check it out or get you a new one, I actually would be up for that because that's just a disaster when those things happen. It, it, it um, sure is. You, you uh, 
you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Right. I completely agree with you. Oh, yeah, I couldn't do without the dishwasher. That There'd be tears. And I do not have that many people in our household, so I feel your pain. <laughs> now, the thing is, not all tech is good tech, right? So is there a more analog version of technology, you know, that you actually prefer, something that you sort of like the previous version of? Well, it's funny. I was born in the mid-80s, so I've lived through that era in which we've seen probably the most rapid technological advancement in, in human history. Yeah. My six-year-old son doesn't quite understand that the internet, let alone YouTube, didn't exist when I was his age. So, <laughs> you know, I remember things like the, the Sony Walkman, the evolution to the Discman, the Windows yep. 95. Do you remember when that was yes. launched? The iPod, the iPhone, the old Nokia 5110. Yep. It was the, the brick indestructible. You could throw it into the wall and it wouldn't crack. Yep. Um, but probably the thing that I reckon they did better back then was the those old hi-fi stacks. Yeah. Um, I really miss that Sony hi-fi. They don't look pretty, but you just can't beat the sound quality. And oh, you know what though? I think they look. They might not have looked pretty, but they looked cool. Like I, I think it established a, a tone for a household of we're into music. Like I think it was a real messaging item for people. Like this is important to us. I agree with you. Whereas now, you know, to have a little bit of something plugged into a chart, it just doesn't do the same thing for me. It it just doesn't have the and, same and you feel. Just, you, you can't hear the bass. No, no. So oh, I'm there with you. I'm right there with you on that one. All right. Let's dive into Pluto Soft, shall we? Now, there will be some people listening right now who maybe um, didn't hear our previous episode. We're not going to repeat all of that. I'd encourage you to go back and lis- listen to episode two um, if you're keen to sort of, if you're a bit of a beginner. But that said, why don't we just start with the category you guys are in, just broadly for people, so we'll position them there, and then we can dive into the updates. So, you know, where do you guys sit in the advanced tech space, and sort of who do you generally lined up against? So, Plutosoft is, is positioned very much as that all-in-one software solution, that business-critical piece of software that combines the core CRM and workflow function, and then brings the whole advice process onto one system. So, that's everything from fact-finding, strategy modeling, product advice documentation, producing statements of advice, records of advice, review documentation. We've also got a firm branded portal uh, through which the advice practice can create front-end access for their clients, share documents, the wealth snapshot, publish modeling. And really the number one pain points we set out to resolve for practices is to help them to produce high quality advice documentation in in a fraction of the time. So it's, yeah. it's very much that core piece of advice technology. Awesome. Um, and so very much, yeah, very much in the centre. This is not an add-on. This is the sort of tool that's in the centre of what a, an advice practice is doing and you'd have the whole team in it and all that sort of stuff. Um, very much so. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a bolt-on or, or an add-on. It, it, it's very much that, that core piece of software. We have a philosophy here that you should only ever enter a piece of data once. Once data's in a system, you don't want to duplicate the, the data because the minute you do that, you lose accuracy and then also uh, efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk. It's been twelve months, so let's talk about you know some of the big big updates you've been working on, and then we can sort of get to some tweaks later on. So what are some big chunky things you guys have either rolled out or been spending time on for the uh, for the tool? Yeah, so so a couple of things that we've been working on functionality wise is we released the pulse which is mm-hmm. a business reporting dashboard that gives advice practices business intelligence data. So just having that high level set of data that you can 
see on a screen. It's, it's got you know your fees, your top clients, funds under management, revenue. Really looking at the business performance. And our ethos here is that we're not just about providing a piece of technology, but we're here to help practices produce results. So that's improving profitability, delivering a better client experience, automating the non-value-adding parts of the advice process so that advisors can have time freed up to focus on building client relationships. So uh, there's that business metrics piece that we, we've rolled out. Uh, we continue to expand on integrations. Yeah. So we've added new providers to our data feed list. So we now data feed with just about every major investment platform in Australia. We recently added Generation Life, the investment bond perfect provider. And yep. we're also doing some work at the moment with Colonial on its new Edge, Edge. platform. Yep. It's int- The data feed thing must be, I mean, you guys must all just pull your hair out every time one of them either launches a new product or merges <laughs> with somebody else because it's like, guys, seriously? Like- <laughs> Because then I'm, I'm guessing you guys have to then, you know, adjust again, um, you know, when there's somebody takes over somebody else and, and now the data is different or it's coming from somewhere different or it must be it must be a bit of a challenge. It, it, it sure is challenging. I would say it, from, a, from a system maintenance perspective, it's, it's one of the, the most time-consuming aspects of, of the software to, to maintain is the, is the data feeds. But it is, um, you know, at the same time, it's such a key thing for practices to have to have that portfolio data flowing into the system so it is um it is a critical part of the process uh, but it's unfortunately quite time consuming it is isn't it and i'd love to just um touch on this uh, business intelligence concept because i think what i love about that is um you know for many years i just don't think many of us uh, in financial advice and in whether it's you know owning a practice or running one as practice managers really had a access to or really were encouraged to look at the business as that sort of, you know, a normal logistical environment. You know, what's the what are the things that happen in one order? Where are the bottlenecks? You know, where are we spending too much time? Where are we not spending enough? You know, those sort of things. And so so it's encouraging to get more and more information on that so that, for example, I mean I and we're not there yet, I'm assuming, but I'd love to get to the point where somebody who's at that level, you know, sort of managing resources and things could see Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! We've got to build up at this point. You know, whatever in the cycle it is, we've got to build up there. We need to throw some extra resources at that, or or oh, hold on, we don't have enough coming in. We're going to get a gap and and not have enough for everybody. To, you know, those sort of things that let you, you know, turn those dials in your business to just keep it humming, rather than suddenly turn it. You know, everybody turns up and there's you know people pulling their hair out and it's <laughs> overwhelm all round. I think um, you know starting down that path of having more information because it's there. You know, and drawing it out from a from a business perspective and a resources perspective is is exciting over time. Yeah, absolutely. And what what we found in our system because we do capture the all the data points about the practice that's that's client information, that's workflow information, the 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 revenue and fee fee reporting. We've got all of that data in our system, so it was really about how can we present that in a way that advice practices can see that at a dashboard level. And, and be able to analyze those key business metrics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there any other um, sort of bigger updates that you've worked on in the last year? Anything else that's sort of, sort of a chunky tool? Yeah, a couple of the other things that we've been working on are not so much functionality specific, but really about building a strong capability when it comes to things like implementation and onboarding. Yeah. So we, we know that when a practice wants to make 
a software switch, that it that it is a big step. <laughs> and part of what we've invested in is to make that a very structured and smooth process. So that's everything from being able to migrate data across from their existing system across into the new system, the training involved. Um, yeah. So getting all team members up to speed as quickly as possible. So we've put a lot of uh, effort and resources into making that a seamless uh, experience, all the training and content that goes along with that. Uh, certifications, so we're now ISO certified, so that was a big step. You know, with the way cybersecurity is going, that, that's been critical and it's, it's really important that as a provider we're at the forefront of of cybersecurity. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, five years ago when we had discussions, cybersecurity was just an afterthought. Yeah. Now it's one of the first things that uh, practices talk about when they're looking at technology. So cyber is um, cyber's becoming such an important part of the tech landscape. It is, isn't it? And it's even, um, I mean, I've just become really aware too. I did a a, um, a masterclass for a group of virtual session for for the public, so for a small community, and and which was great. And there was a question about some tools they might be trying to use or, or consider using, and which I, you know, great questions, yay, and and hey, what do you think about this, that sort of stuff. And and I found myself anything to do with tech, you know, reinforce. Make sure you have you know multiple factor. Make sure you have. Make sure you have. <laughs> don't use these generic parts. Like I, even though that wasn't really what we're talking about, and, and they weren't even. This is not about them engaging with us I'm just finding that I'm sort of really going hard on all of the layers we can the way we can protect ourselves for anybody I'm interacting with now um, the minute the technology comes up because we've just got to all get onto it um, you know it's so it's so important and people still are fairly green on this aren't they you know certainly out they of the are and it's it's something you really want to be across you know particularly when you're looking at technology because of the nature of the data that financial advice practices tend to hold about clients, you know, it's, it's important data, it's it's financial data, it's it's personal data. So you really want to make sure that you are doing your your due diligence. And I, yeah. I would encourage advice practices when you're looking at software providers, look, look at things like ISO certifications, get an understanding of where the data is is hosted. Is it hosted yes. in Australia? Where 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 is it hosted? Does the provider do things like penetration testing? Yeah. So. You know, just being, I think those are the, the things that, you know, in this landscape that, that practices should be should be looking at when they're doing their due diligence. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, any sort of, you know, tweaks you've made? In, are there any other, you know, little things that you've sort of adjusted? Um, well, I'm sure there's loads, actually. Little things that maybe even were suggested by users or things you sort of made changes through over the last 12 months? Yeah, we're constantly doing incremental changes. Um <laughs> We have a weekly release schedule, so every okay. literally every week uh, we do a we do a new release. So uh, that's typically done on a Wednesday night outside of business hours. A lot of that is driven by user feedback. So we have a, a specific channel where users can log idea requests, and then we incorporate a lot of that into our roadmap. So there there are a lot of you know small scale enhancements that are done each week to the system, but. As you would know, you know you do little things over a week over the course of a year that that then becomes uh, quite a lot. So it's so we're mm. constantly re- releasing new changes into the into the software. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, there's just so many places and so many things that are now possible to be updated. Um, it's well, it's exciting times. I think it's not that. I mean, you know, years ago we used to get 
you know, updates on the tech. Um, they'd come through as the email. And to be frank, no matter really what the tech was, it was generally not something you bother reading because often it was about like underlying sort of either processing or, you know, stuff behind the scenes that they're doing. And I'll oh, just letting you know, we've done this thing. And I'm like, well, I don't even understand that. What, are, what that is, why would I care? What I love about <laughs> where we've got to with technology now is, is generally those updates are all about user experience. Like it's all about what makes it easier for us as users, so which is really cool, you know. So it means we are getting, you know, more um, either access or it's making it easier to use or it's extra features, you know. So it's it's it is a different world in that sense, I think, these days than it used to be for sure. That's right, and part of what what we do in the financial device space, a lot of this is, is legislative driven as well. So, yeah. you know, as you can imagine, with financial modelling. Uh, there are constant updates to to indexation rates to yes. uh, Centrelink assets and income tests. So you're constantly having to update the system to take into account those sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm curious: is there anything you've sort of witnessed a practice doing with the tool that sort of knocked your socks off? You were like, "Whoa, that was a fabulous way to you know utilize the tool," or that really because you know people can get really creative um, because we don't all think the same, do we? So, is there anything you've seen where you thought was just a fantastic way? It could be internally; it was a value internally, or it could be enhancing the client experience. That sort of was really cool. Yeah, well, this one, this one really comes back to the point about how important it is to implement software well in a practice. You can have the best tool in the world, but unless you're using it optimally, uh, you're not going to get the, the benefits from it. Yeah. One of the initiatives we released is what we call our best practice series, which gives firms a proven methodology to quickly adopt aspects of the tool to see more immediate results. And, and one practice we worked with, it was really about streamlining their review process and, and one of the things they did was to introduce the front-end client portal into the into the review process. Nice. So, you know, building that review workflow so that portal access gets sent to the client before the meeting. Nice. Client can update the data in the portal. That syncs and updates the data automatically into the core system. And then that data then flows straight through into the review documentation. So actually being able to incorporate that portal into the review process um, made their, their review process much more efficient. And, and when it comes to getting those uh, efficiency wins, the review process is one of the best places to start because for most firms, that's where most of your time gets spent right. is actually on, on review clients. Yeah. yeah, That's your bread and butter. It is, right? And I love that idea too. We do this a lot with any either data, so sometimes you've got to do a data cleanup or there's something you want or some more data you want to collect across the board or like this where you want to introduce something. And we've now always do that in that sort of rollout way. So it's, okay, what are we doing regularly that we can gradually roll this out? And reviews are perfect for that. So it means you're not onboarding a huge number of people in one hit because it's just a disaster, right? Whenever you try and do that, whereas to do this as part of the next review, whenever the next review comes up, the person's going to get the invitation to the portal, then they're going to, and they're immediately going to start using it with the advisor. So they don't get an invitation and then don't really have a good reason to go in for six months, you know? So I love that idea of of timing it so that it's immediately useful and relevant um, for people. That's right. And the minute you bring a process that affects your clients, so it's, it's one thing to implement change in your practice. It's quite another to to do that with your with your clients. So there's yeah. actually a method to getting that adoption with, with clients using the 
the portal, you know, in terms of how you notify clients, um, how you bring them on board to that. And that that's part of what that best practice series is all about is, is helping get that uptake with mm-hmm. clients, helping them to to prepare. Because if you if you implement it properly with, with your clients, you know, you, you're going to get a much better success rate in terms of clients using that process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's got to be that whole bouncy ball thing, doesn't it? You've just got to make it such that people can just step into these things. Um, and not, I mean, some of these things, I think, I mean, I hear a lot in technology, oh, my, my clients would never do that, you know? And now part of that is us projecting, I think, because um, it sounds hard and difficult. So we've got to admit to that we're projecting. But I think also what we're saying is if somebody dumped that on me and I was a client, I wouldn't want to do that. And the answer is you're absolutely right. Like you can't just dump and run with this stuff. <laughs> you know, any great um, onboarding experience, like you're saying, is a journey that sort of feels easy and it naturally flows in steps. And, you know, there's help and there's people holding your hand. You know, we've got to take that sort of stuff really seriously with our clients. Hundred percent, and sometimes we don't give clients enough credits. Um, yeah. You know, even clients, older demographics, they're much more tech savvy than they yeah. w- once were. So we, we think uh, really good success rates in terms of clients using the portal, provided, as you say, that it's 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 rolled out effectively to them. Yeah, and look, really, to me, the filter. Um, because that team and I have been debating this sort of stuff for a while now and and our filter now is do they use a smartphone? So if they're tech savvy enough to not have still have a flip phone, right? So, I mean, my mother-in-law still has a flip phone. So there's just no way that she's ever going to get to the point of engaging with something um, via an iPad or a computer or anything like that. She's flip phone status. But once you've reached smartphone level, there will be at least one app they're using on there. Right, so they've the concept of an app already, if you know what I mean, is something that they're familiar with. So to me, that's sort of the hurdle. Um, I'm we're sort of getting better at ignoring age as much as just usage. Like, what are they doing? And there, and then the way you teach them how to use something just uses that as a, a baseline. You know, you sort of help them understand from that point. Um, and every time we've done that with somebody, they're so grateful because they feel like the world's opened up. Um, for them, you know, even teaching people how to listen to a podcast. We've done that with clients, you know, because they just hadn't encountered it. And they're like, whoa, you wouldn't believe like they've discovered all of the crime podcasts. And like, you know, I think, I think we really need to see that as a gift that you can give some of these clients. I, I think you're right. And I think what, um, you know, going through that whole COVID period that, that forced um, individuals of all different ages and demographics to really adopt tech, you know, booking yeah. vaccine appointments online, the all the apps and and things that went went with that QR codes, yep. QR codes. Um, clients are a lot more tech savvy than they once were. Yeah, and somebody else has done some of the hard yards there for us, which is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I remember prior to COVID, I remember QR codes had this journey where they became a thing, and then everyone was like, "Oh, that's really old school." But now, because they were used during COVID and lockdowns, then now they've popped up again everywhere. You know, and so people are using them in presentations and in all sorts of things because suddenly it's something that everybody's familiar with and it's it's not so old school anymore. I love it. It's so funny. Now, looking forward a little, um, I mean, I'd love to hear what the plans are, but but I think there's something that everybody's asking about, So, and I hate to do this because, you know, it's, it's unknown, but I'm curious what your take for Plutosoft, not your view on what QIR is going to do, nobody knows, but your take for Plutosoft on what that 
could mean? Is there anything you're considering now on how you guys might adjust accordingly, depending on what happens, say, next year as things roll out? Yeah, look, we're often asked to give our thoughts on quality of advice review. Yeah. Our view on it, and, and it's always hard with these things because, you know, there's a report that's been handed down, there's been commentary in the media, but as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been any draft legislation even <laughs> no. put forward. And, and and some of the changes that have been proposed are, you know, when you think about it, they're quite they're quite radical from mm. the current landscape we have. Our our view on it though is that we don't expect there's going to be a material difference to how practices conduct their day-to-day business operations. Yep. There was a lot of talk in Q, at QAR on abolishing or, or getting rid of SOAs. The latest we have is that there's still going to need to be an advice record of, of some description. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. When you look at the legislative requirements for what needs to be included in a statement of advice under current rules, you know, a lot of it, a lot of SOAs that are being produced go to way beyond what the base level legislation requires anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can't see how that's going to radically change the advice process. Mm. If if anything, it's going to, you know, if, if we're looking at Big Super now getting into advice, there's going to be more emphasis on firms to differentiate. Yes. Their, their service offerings. So being able to do strategy modeling, that, that, that big strategic yeah. piece, been comprehensive, looking at clients' goals yeah. and objectives. Th- those are the things that matter to clients. That's what clients pay for when they go to see their advisor. And that's what advice professionals will, you know, that, that's really where you need to be focusing on to differentiate yourself. Yeah. So we're, we're watching it closely. Um, our hope is that with the from an advice documentation point of view, that it creates more flexibility in how advice is presented. So some of the things we're looking at is more is more snapshot reporting, right? Um, PowerPoint presentation. So yeah. so we're we're looking at those sorts of things. Yeah. So I think any any advisor, based on what may or may not happen with QAR, any advisor who isn't investing a bit of time into either understanding Canva or understanding PowerPoint better. I think won't be serving themselves well because I think there's a big difference, isn't there, between the preparation, analysis, the documentation of all of the advice versus the presentation of the advice. And I think really the presentation bit is going to be the most extreme change. You know, I think that's where um, QAR is going to have an impact. So to me, I don't think I think I don't think spending energy on that spot will be wasted time. For advisors, whereas anything else, I'm with you. How can we tell what's going to happen? That's right, and I think from a business planning perspective, um, I, I don't see how quality of advice really changes how you go about planning and the key business decisions you're going to make. You, if you're struggling with efficiency before QAR, you know you're going to you're going to have those same pain points after quality of advice review. So I, I don't think it's going to be the the silver bullet that's going to solve everyone's problems. I think you do still need to be proactive and and look and, and looking to solve those those challenges whether whether QAR comes into effect and in whatever way it form does. it takes. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk then in terms of what you guys do have down the track. What are the you know, what are the sort of future developments you've got planned out? What's on the timeline for for PlutoSoft? Yeah, the next major item we're looking to release is is open banking. So for for those who are not 
familiar with open banking. It's a new regulatory regime which has recently come into force in Australia. It follows what's been done in the UK and elsewhere. And what what it does is it compels banks to release data, banking data about their clients to approved recipients. So that's things like bank accounts, loans, being able to release that data. So we're going through the process of being accredited with the ACCC um, and then that will enable us to uh, release open banking through our client hub portal. Now, I'm putting you on the spot here, and this may be an idiotic question. Um, it just demonstrates, I think, where, you know, for advisors, most of us aren't across this as a concept. But does open banking coming into effect potentially down the track change the concept of data feeds? Because if a client can give you can a tool can give a tool access to, you know, the information about um, their financial uh, accounts, whatever they might be. Does that then change? Do you get what I mean? Does that then change the way we either need or don't need data feeds from you know platform providers? As far as I'm aware, I I don't think it will impact platform data feeds. Okay. Platform data feeds are, are, are different in that they are controlled by the advisor, right? Whereas with open banking, that's very much controlled by the client. The client has to consent Agree to. to yeah, re- release that that data so they they fall under two two different mechanisms. Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, that's useful. Um, okay, now I can't have somebody on for a tech conversation without talking about AI, uh, only because now, I mean, I don't know about your LinkedIn feed, <laughs> but my LinkedIn feed is peppered with people with all sorts of chat GPT tips, all sorts of stuff. So, is do you see AI playing a part in PlutoSoft at all down the track? Have you given that any thought? What? How does you feel? How do you feel from your tools perspective? It might play a role, if at all. Look, the, the scary thing with AI is it's still in its in its infancy, mm-hmm. and it's um, yeah, it's difficult to predict what what's going to happen. But but I think it's it's fair to say it's it's going to have a much bigger impact on. On, on every aspect, not not just just advice, but all, all aspects of of life. One of the one of the things we're actually using AI for is is not so much on front end functionality, but in terms of how our development is run. Chat GPT, you know, you can you can ask it a question, you know, with building code and and right. what's the best way to to build an application, and it actually fast tracks that whole process. So rather than spending you know hours trying to figure out the problem it, it 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 literally tells you the quickest possible way to do it. So from a development perspective, it's actually got a lot of um, it, it can provide a lot of assistance in terms of being able to build applications a whole lot quicker. So that that's one of the things we're using it for. So that's not so much for it for a user front end experience, but more more the back end process of, of building applications. It's, it's enabling us to build applications faster. But but I think we'll watch this space. Closely, um, because I think it's it, it, it's um, it's moving at a rate of knots. Yeah, it sure is. And you've just made me wonder, actually, if there's um, look, this is a dorky thing to share, but during COVID, when all you know, loads of parents were stuck at home with their kids, and they were therefore far more actively involved in things like maths homework, or you know, all these sort of activities that they were then having to to help their kids with because you know they weren't doing it with their teacher um i ended up almost having like a help functionality for my circle of friends who have kids because i'm a maths freak and so they'd sort of message me with the 
how do I help them do this? Can you give me a step-by-step, you know, instruction of, of what they should be doing? And you've just made me realize they probably could now ask chat GPT, you know, put in a question and ask chat GPT to give them a 10 steps of, you know, how to actually manually work out this answer for somebody of whatever age so that they can therefore help their kids with that stuff. It just never occurred to me that that's what you could be using it for. But certainly rather than just getting the answer, you could ask it to give you, you know, the, the, um, all the small steps in terms of working, um, working out that math. So thank you for that. I'm going to be passing that on to my friend circle. The other one that just came to me as you were saying that is, um, you know, in terms of marketing and organizing events, you know, you can literally ask that to ChatGBT and it'll give you a whole campaign on what you need to do, the, the, the messaging, um, you know, it's, it's quite it's quite extraordinary what the what the tool is capable of. And like I said, it's only going to get smarter. That's that's, that's yeah. a scary thing. And particularly, like, I'm, I mean, we're using a fair bit to almost trigger a brainstorm. So we're planning to do some client um, or public-facing events. And like you say, um, things like, like we know what the topic is, Right, but we're not particularly good, and there is a real art to coming up the up with the title. You know, like the actual punchy title you can market that sort of stuff. It's hard, isn't it? Like it's really hard to do that stuff. So I push that into ChatGPT and ask it to give me a whole lot of examples, and then we just debate which one we think works. You know, and and tweak it. So it's a great inspiration for for that sort of stuff. It's not that it's giving you an answer you use. It's just getting your brain working so that you can then select from a few and then adjust it accordingly. So. I'm with you on that for sure. What else is Pluto Soft up to generally? Is there anything you guys have been doing even with your teams or that you've taken part in, you know, in the last little while that you wanted to share, things that advisors could be aware of, of what, you know, the Pluto Soft group have been up to? Yeah, so what, one of the things we've done recently is we've started to do more face-to-face events. So we we ran what we call our Practice Leaders Forum. So we ran our first forum in Perth, um, earlier in the year and then we've just finished doing one in in Sydney and that was a that was a great um session um had a great turnout to the practice leaders forum it's all about practice leadership but you know the unique challenges that that advisors are facing um it's it's a great forum to be able to um have that peer to be peer inside you know we had a we had a really good panel asking them the tough things what what are the challenges they're facing um how are they how are they solving challenges in their in their own practice? And then what we we also did is we ran a best practice workshop. So so that's looking at you know real life case studies. You know we talk about efficiency. We talk about trying to improve how we deliver advice. And it was just a very practical um, workshop on on how you can build key workflows and processes into your to your business to achieve more more automation. So we're definitely going to be more active in running those events next year so so stay tuned and look it's great um we're so used to events either being like an industry-wide sort of one like a like an association and ensemble ensemble is a good example of that um or maybe a dealer group one you know and there are multiple ways you can collect together and so one that's sort of the the collecting nature is the core tool they're using you know that's a great another way too because it's once again different conversations you'll have with different types of people when you attend those you know so i love that when it's sort of bringing together different views or people that can then have different you know debates about things and about things like automation. I love that as a different way to sort of engage um, and and sort of develop your practice, um, you know, over time um, for sure. Now, 
outside of your tool and and even it can be even outside of advice tech is there any you know broader technology for business or anything like that that's caught your eye recently that you thought ooh that looks cool well, well certainly I'd have to say it's hard to go past chat chat GPT at the, yeah. at the risk of being a predictable John one of our technical leads is a real buff on the on the tool and and some of the things he's been able to show show us have been nothing short of phenomenal so yeah. I think that's definitely one of those things if you haven't checked it out is is definitely to to look a bit more closely at it and and I'd encourage you I mean I was just joking before about my LinkedIn feed and, and of course this will be defined by the fact that I've looked into these things but um, if you're new to this then I would encourage you to to try and find a downloadable of a, of a um, like a chat G- GPT prompts like somebody that that can give you some things to sort of point you in the right direction I only say that because for example I was part I'm being Basically, I'm doing a little program that's about generating AI images um, and just as a way to learn. And uh, they gave us some questions to ask ChatGPT about visual brand strategy and holy Toledo Batman, <laughs> what what it could come Phenomenal. up with in terms of, oh, you know, and so basically I told it the sort of theme, like a character I wanted a, a brand to embody and it's coming up with the colours and the, you know, oh, consider these fonts and you were like, like, and here's the tagline and these are the sort of themed social media posts you could have and like it's just, it's it's down to how we ask. You know, that's the key with these tools. It's it's about how well you can ask. So definitely, if you haven't embarked on that, I truly think we all need to, even if it's just to understand the possibility, but I honestly think you'll find it can really impact a lot, along a lot of different areas um, than probably more than we really think. I think we're probably, none of us are probably quite creative enough to come up with that on our own, but I'd encourage you to sort of reach out and, and check a few things out. Anything else we've missed that you guys have been up to or that you've you've been working on in the last 12 months? I feel like there's probably a lot, but anything in particular you want to mention? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's anything we haven't covered. The um, bulk ROAs or bulk um, activities, as we call it, that was another thing we, we released. So bulk activities is about being able to produce documentation in bulk. I can, I can give you a quick example. Let's just say you want to rebalance a client's portfolio or you want to make a, a switch and, and swap a sort of holding yep in just a few at, at the click of a few buttons you'll be able to bulk produce all the ROAs for those clients affected yep the system will automatically produce the record of advice automatically distribute it to clients on the client hub portal and the client will be able to electronically accept the recommendations on the on the portal so that that's um that's a massive efficiency. We know I was talking to a practice just recently who, who rolled out that functionality. Previously, they were doing portfolio rebalances as part of their review process. Yep. So to implement a change to the portfolio, they were looking at the course of a 12-month review cycle to get the change implemented across all clients. They rolled out uh, bulk ROAs and they were able to have all their clients' advice executed within within a week. So it was a massive productivity win for that practice. 
And that's a wonderful lump, particularly when, you know, those situations like you need to change out a fund, you know, like there's one of those things that you need to do across the board that you, you might have done a whole lot of work about a methodology and for whatever reason something's happened, there could be all sorts of reasons. So to have that sort of functionality that means, you know, it's, it is from one thing to here um, and it'd be able to do that batch to, across, you know, across a list of clients um, makes a big difference because those things are heartbreaking when you're trying to embark on those. Um, they can just sort of, they can almost shut down a practice, can't they, when they're trying to do those sort of bulk activities. It really can be quite exhausting. And we know that financial markets change very, very rapidly. Yeah. So being able to do things like that quickly is is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Advice Explorers, if you'd like to find out more about Plutosoft, then you can find their website in the episode show notes. We've also included Vincent's LinkedIn details. Um, I'd encourage you to reach out. I'm sure it'll point you to the right person in the team to engage with. But um, thank you so much for joining us on the show again. And I can't wait to have you back in another year's time to hear what else you've been up to. Clearly, there'll be lots to talk about then too. So thank you very much. Thanks, Peter. And if you would like to find out more about Plutosoft, just go straight to the website, click book a book a demo, and um, we'll be able to give you a quick overview. Perfect. Okie dokie. Are you a current user of Plutosoft? Maybe you're considering it or, you know, you've been an active user, you've got some great feedback, you know, please join the conversation on the Ensemble community platform. Um, if you're embarking on it and you're curious, make sure you ask all of us, you know, let's crowdsource this stuff. That's what the platform is there for. The power of Ensemble as a group is the fact that we're so keen and willing as individuals to engage with each other on either a challenge we're facing or an idea we have or a question we have or even just a, wow, you know, I'm really excited. I just listened to the podcast. I'm a user of Plutosoft and I'm about to implement this thing, right? Shared experience is really powerful. So please get on the platform. I'd love to hear what you think um, and how you find the tool. Now, in terms of my thoughts, there's two things out of that conversation that I think are really, really interesting and worth just covering off. Number one, if you are looking at a new core tool, so core advice tool, this is that one that everybody in the practice is going to use. It's it's in the middle, right, of your business, then I would 100% um, dig deep before you make the decision into how carefully they have curated your onboarding experience. Um, I've looked at a number of the tools that fall into this category and where they fall down is that they don't see that necessarily as their job, helping you embark on this. Like they'll happily be a reference point where you can ask questions. They might even have a massive library of explanations or, or you know, um, or blogs or videos or, yeah, yeah, you can go in if you've got a question on that topic, but they haven't necessarily designed an onboarding journey. Right. And so that to me is the thing I'd encourage you to ask loads of questions about. I was excited to hear Vincent and the team have been applying energy to that because here's the thing we are doing this once generally. Most of us don't make that change very often in our business lives as a practice. They see people do this all the time, right? So over and over again, they will see either the the order people should do things in or the preparation you should take before you make the move or heads up, these are the sorts of challenges people face. That's not about a problem with the tool. It's just because you're making a change, you know, all that sort of stuff. So 
you know, absolutely understand onboarding and the way they engage with you, how clever they've got about making that smooth for you because it can make all the difference, right? Um, If you get beat up through that process too much and it gets far, far, far too hard, you and the team are not going to be enthusiastic about using the new tool that you've implemented. So that'd be my, you know, a big tip about these core tools. The second one is uh, Vincent mentioned these weekly updates. You know, they send out the, hey, this is what we've updated in the system. Um, Can I suggest for any of the tools that you use often in the business, you'll often get those tools. And for the core ones that you spend a lot of time in, and I'd put, you know, a system like this, if you were using it in that category, that I'd encourage you to have a, a make it pretty punchy meeting, maybe maybe 15 minutes, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But once a month, you get everybody who uses that tool on, whether it's a video call or you get them together in a meeting, and you all look through that four weeks of update emails and and talk about whether somebody's used the new feature, how they found it, should we be changing a process? Um, oh, I didn't know that. Can you talk to me about what the feature means, right? We need to make sure we take everybody on that journey and you do it as a structured and disciplined approach. Now, sometimes, um, like we were saying, sometimes the updates will be something either quite dull, but useful, of course, but dull. Uh, and so the meeting might only go for three minutes. Um, better to have the discipline of you having those in place so that everybody's ready to talk about the last four weeks of email updates um, for the system, then you're not doing it at all. Yeah. Because every one of the new features we should be talking about, taking advantage of, implementing it in the process, questioning it, giving feedback to the provider. Oh, we really loved that one. Do more of those. Oh, that one was funny. That messed up the thing we were trying to do. Can you help us fix it? You know, that sort of stuff. So get proactive uh, and get really disciplined about the way you're utilizing these big, chunky tools. Now, as you know, there's only one skill we need to become bionic advisors, and that's avid curiosity, folks. Now, to help you build that habit, today's Curiosity Corner app that caught my eye. I, I can't quite describe how excited I am about this tool, even though it's actually not that complicated and I'm not sure any of the rest of you are going to be that excited. But the tool is called Data GIF Maker. You can find it at datagifmaker.withgoogle.com and that's D-A-T-A-G-I-F-M-A-K-E-R dot with google.com. The reason I am so excited about this tool is the way we represent what is often quite simple data. It's nothing crazy. Um, it, it could be asset alloc- like something as simple as asset allocation, like like quite simple data. We represent it in a way that A, can be quite meaningless and it's certainly not engaging, right? It's just dull, right? Really dull. Um, what they've done, this is produced by Google News Lab. So they're just trying to provide helpful little tools and they've got three types of GIFs you can make on some basic data. So the first type is called racetrack. So basically this is about maybe you've got target allocation of a certain thing and actual, and it you've put it in, you pick the colors, you pick a name for what the amount and the target, like the figure for each, and it does this little racetrack wobble GIF to show that you can then save as a file to show somebody 
oh, look, it's, it was a bit short. So the target was at 40%, but, oh, it's a bit short at 35, right? And it's just a way to represent data in a really funky and interesting way. The second type they've got is called rectangles. So this is basically, you know, you'd have um, the totals that it'll it'll start flat and then it spreads out into a rectangle and breaks it down into whatever figures you've given it. So that's a way of showing the breakdown of something or the allocation of something or, you know, something like that. Um, and that's another GIF. And the final one is circles. So this would be the size of the circle. So you could have multiple circles that would appear based on the size of the figures you put in, and then it drops down and tells them um, what that item is. Now, it's just the three, and I know that doesn't sound like much, but please go and check it out. This type of tool is exactly what we could be popping into some of our documents, particularly if they're, you know, online um, or we're trying to, you know, send them an email and give them a, a flag on what's going on or like these engagement things, even if it just forces us to think differently and we go and get it built somewhere else this is perfect. This is exactly in our wheelhouse and it will force you to really think about the way that we're representing technology to the consumer, to the public. I'd love to hear what you end up using it for. Please reach out if you do. Um, Honestly, I think this is a winner, this one. You all might think I'm crazy. Please tell me if you do uh, on the community platform on Ensemble, but this one's a cracker. I came across this accidentally and I think it's amazing. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get your advice tech fix automatically sent to you each week. And you know what? If you've got an event coming up in the next 12 months, I've had some great conversations with groups, you know, wanting to uh, – you know, somebody to speak to their audience about streamlining their tech stack. I've even done some sort of uh, Marie Kondo style minim- minimalist tech stacks, those sort of things, um, and how it can help you manage these things going forward and incorporating tips like how do you make this discipline part of what you do on a regular day-to-day basis. Uh, I'd be happy to have a chat um, about what you might be looking for. So please reach out um, and we can brainstorm what, what might add value to your audience. So reach out to me on LinkedIn forward slash Peter MD. That's P-E-I-T-A-M-D. Otherwise, I'll look forward to turning up in your earbuds next week. And remember, advice explorers, stay curious.